did the paperclip say to the magnet? Um, aren't you glad I'm not a staple? <laughs> I find you very attractive. Oh. Good one, right? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Well, on Valentine's Day was about three weeks ago, so we're not too far behind on discussing it. I'm Chris. And I'm Mary-Kate. This is The Duffel Pod. Thank you for listening. And, um, yes, so to start off with, um, we're going to uh, discuss a little bit about Valentine's Day and share some thoughts and feelings on this holiday. Um, I think first, are you pro or anti or neutral Valentine's Day? Um, I'm neutral. I've never been against it. Um, I guess I appreciate St. Valentine himself. Do you know Uh, anything about him? I do know that he, um, performed wedding ceremonies clandestinely, Mm. uh, during a time when it was illegal, uh, in the Roman Empire, Um, Because I think they believed that men would be fiercer warriors if they weren't married. Turns out not true. (laughs) You got to think gladiator. Like, that guy was upset about his family. So, uh, if you want aggressive people, they got to have something to fight for. So, uh, the Romans were wrong. St. Valentine was right. Uh, So, for that reason, I land more on the pro side. The historical St. Valentine. Yes, um, and to that point also, I think there used to be, in somewhat more modern times, a myth that a man had who had, let's say, been with his wife had, would, would have lost his vigor through the act. But oh, clearly. That is unsubstantiated. In mm-hmm. fact, the opposite may be true due to the influx of testosterone uh you may have greater physical prowess um <laughs> at any rate <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> um so i i guess i've turned from pro to neutral bordering on anti valentine's day okay and I mean, when I was single, I was like, yeah, what are all these idiots talking about who have relationships? Like, why would you complain about this holiday? Like, at least you have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, stop complaining that you have to buy them flowers. But now that I've been married for almost seven years, six and a half years, it does seem like a bit of a chore on Valentine's Day because it's like, look, I love my wife and I demonstrate it. Hopefully, in a... I've demo- seen the love notes on your fridge. You know, yeah. With, um, with cartoons. So why on February 14th do I have to buy a Hallmark card and Topps flowers? Um, we both... I mean, we do observe the holiday, and Kim, fortunately, is very traditional. So I get off the hook by just doing that, buying a card and Topps flowers, and that makes her happy. But... It does seem annoying, although there is an impassioned treatise in my personal journal from, like, early college days where I was talking about how Valentine's Day is actually great and um, you're a jerk if you speak against it wow. when oh you're, if you're married. <laughs> so. Wow. I, um, like, this year it was good because it was on a Friday. Because I think that's some of the stress of Valentine's Day is like, oh, it's Tuesday. And, like, I imagine for a man, it's like, oh, like, it's Tuesday. And I got to, like, simultaneously not get home too late because that's going to be bothersome to my wife. Uh, but also I can't show up any empty-handed. Right. So, um, but this year I was in the supermarket uh, during the day on Valentine's Day and it was flooded with men during the day in the supermarket, which, like, I'm mostly a stay-at-home mom, so generally in the supermarket during the day, you see old people and moms with kids. Yes. So the demographic was definitely skewed on Valentine's Day. Um, 
Now, I live by a principle that we do not go on dates on Valentine's Day because everywhere is packed. Mm -hmm. And I find it sickening to watch people go on, like, first dates on Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always like, get out of here, amateurs. Like, we're married. Yes. Um... So, which reminds me of like, do you remember when we were at Pano's restaurant? Yes. Uh, I think it was for my birthday. That's exactly and, what I thought of. Mm-hmm, and there were people sitting next to us having mm-hmm. their first date. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I think these were like some quotes. One was like, well, I'm not going to lie. I've definitely cheated before in other relationships. Oh, well, at least you're honest about it. <laughs> and yeah. then they concluded the date with a phrase we use all the time amongst ourselves. <laughs> Uh, cheers to new beginnings. Yes, cheers to new beginnings. I felt like I was watching like an MTV show. No, I, it was. Um, it seemed almost scripted the way it was. That's so what I'm saying. Like reality that, TV, reality. Yeah, like, it, it wasn't like, oh, are these people maybe on a first date? It sort of seems that way. It was like, no, this it was like the Disney Channel's idea of like, let's uh, write a uh, super obvious first date scenario. Uh. Yeah. Well, let me, since you mentioned Disney Channel, let me talk about where some of my romantic ideals have come from in life. Yes. Uh, One, Xenon Girl of the 21st (laughs) Century. (laughs) So, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century was a Disney Channel original movie. Mm -hmm. Circa, like, 2000, maybe 1999, something like that. Yeah, and... I saw it when I was, like, 12 or 13, so I was the same age as the characters. And I remember when Xenon, um, like, I don't know, kissed the boy with the bowl cut. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Something went off in my mind, like, oh, I'm behind. Like, I have not dated anybody or kissed anybody, and I'm 13. I am behind in life. And... That's pretty much, like, the belief I operated on throughout high school. It's like, I need to catch up. And, um, you know, thus ensue the high school boyfriends of <laughs> varying degrees of um, uh, excellence, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, some yeah. better than others. Um, so that was one place where my romantic ideals were formed was literally that movie. Like, I remember I was home alone during the day watching it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I am behind. <laughs> and uh, similarly, like, Lizzie McGuire and those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but a book that formed my romantic ideals. Yes. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. You've read it. Yes. At my recommendation. I remember when we got it at Barnes & Noble. Yes, I remember yeah. buying it, too. <laughs> The Whistling Toilets by Randy Powell. So, uh, yeah, some evening jaunt to Barnes & Noble when I was around the same age, like 12, uh, resulted in me buying, I even remember it was $7, I bought The Whistling Toilets, and it was summer, and I bought it just to be funny, and I proceeded to devour it Mm -hmm. into, like, the wee small hours of the morning, I thought this book was, like, the greatest thing I had ever read. And I actually was, like, looking for information on it. Uh, I wanted to check it out at the library, but it doesn't exist in our county library system. I would have had to find it on, like, interlibrary loan or something. That makes it kind of exciting that it's, like, it it really is this sort of hidden gem. Yeah. Well, and I kind of think it must have, like, a cult following because... um. There's enough about it on the internet. It's not totally forgotten. It was published in 1996, but, like, the Amazon reviews for it, um, I I was, like, shocked at how much it resonated with my experience. So this is from February 19th, 2000. Someone wrote this review. When I first looked at this book, I was a little nervous because it seemed somewhat strange. But once I started reading it, I could not put it down. It was amazing. Great writing. I would definitely read it again. Now, speaking to that, I read this book every summer as a ritual for several years. I actually made tally marks in the front of it (laughs) for how many times I had read it. And it was like a quest for, I don't know, five or six years. I read the book, generally tried to do it in one sitting once a summer, 
Um, I kind of did that with the novelizations of the Empire Strikes Back and D2 Mighty Ducks. Okay, all right. You know, know, good good use of our time. I explain it to my students in the school library as having a best friend book. One that you can visit over and over again. Yes. (laughs) Um, This other one was like, yeah, this totally resonates with me. This was November 25th, um, 2003. Um, I... Oh, yeah. This kid was like, I was wandering around the library during lunch, and the library lady told me to find something to do, so I quickly grabbed a book from the shelf, and it was this. It was fate. I couldn't put it down. (laughs) Seriously, if you haven't read this book, borrow it, or whatever, or buy it, just read it. So, (laughs) I was similarly zealous about this book, like, making everybody I knew read it. And I remembered it recently, like, why did I, like, love that book so much? Right. The Whistling Toilets by Randy Powell. And I don't have an explanation. I think it was just perfectly fit to, like, you know how, like, amino acids, like, lock into other amino acids to build proteins? Yes. I feel like this book in my brain had the same compatibility because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I feel like it just, it's, so the premise of it is, like, the boy next door romance with the girl next door uh childhood best friends becoming like navigating becoming romantically interested in each other Mm -hmm. um but it was like real quirky and weird like at one point they describe like there's like a path between their houses and one day he's walking through them and there's like uh like just like a severed Barbie torso in the mouth of a rat that scurries across the path. And then like I remember that part specifically. And I <laughs> I remember I wrote down a review of this book after I read it as like a 25-year-old man. Um, but I I remember writing down that part. Like I loved the authentic details in this text because it just it, it there was such weird things in it that could only happen in real life. Like when he's wandering through those woods, he finds like the, the Barbie torso in the rat's mouth and like an NFL lunchbox or something. Yes. <laughs> and so like the premise of it was Stan and Ginny, which what? <laughs> so Stan uh, and Ginny both love tennis. She went pro while they were in high school and she's like off her game and nobody knows why. So they bring her home so Stan can be her coach and like get at what's off in her psyche, which of course leads to all this intimacy and like, oh, I don't know, like maybe we're into each other. But the whistling toilets, okay? Why is it called the whistling toilets? That's the whole reason I picked it up. So throughout the whole book, Stan is, like, navigating his feelings for Ginny and, like, you know, trying to convince his parents to let him have a bus pass and, like, all kinds of teenager kid stuff. And then in the back of it, there's, like, this narration in the back of, like, I don't know when it's the right time to tell her about the whistling toilets or if she's the right person. So essentially he has, like, a gating factor for, like, if you're my soulmate you will react well to the whistling toilets. Oh, yes. And it's these toilets in some public park bathroom that have no stalls between them. There's four toilets in a row with those, like, industrial flushes. And he discovered at one point that if you flush them all in sequence, in succession, I should say, uh, they make this ethereal whistling song that's mm. very uh, like touching on a spiritual level <laughs> and like the whole book he's like i don't know like uh like i'm really kind of attracted to her and like but we're friends and like but what about the whistling toilets that's right. an essential part of me something about that just resonated with me i thought i need like a like a a key for how to know that somebody's my soulmate. I need to find my own version of the whistling toilets, I guess. Spoiler alert, since it's not available through the local library and nobody will probably read this book. uh, In the end, he does show her the whistling toilets and guess what happens? I forget. Uh, They just make out in the bathroom. (laughs) Like they both have like this like surge of emotional response to these whistling toilets. (laughs) And uh, make out. And then I think she, like, gets back on her game uh, with tennis, which isn't because of the kissing. Uh, it was because of something else. Uh, 
Yeah. So these are my reference points starting out like, okay, like I was like wearing Winnie the Pooh overalls like a couple (laughs) years ago. Now I'm in this awkward transition into adulthood. I need some keystones for how to, uh, (laughs) how to navigate this life. Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, and the Whistling Toilets were my compasses. Yeah. Uh, For me, definitely like Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cory Topanga all the way. I feel like that had to have influenced a generation to uh, feel that they had to have a soulmate in, you know, beginning in sixth grade. And I had the same feeling in sixth grade, all through middle school, I didn't have a girlfriend. And I thought like, I must be some kind of loser. Why don't I have a girlfriend? And same thing in high school. And also the high stakes nature of Corey and Topanga's relationship made it seem like, okay, once you start going out with someone, like you have to fight to keep them. Like they have to be your forever and nothing's going to get in the way. Um, So like pretty toxic way to be looking at relationships. And I feel like that really was like a touchstone for, for nineties kids. Like, Oh yeah, Corey and Topanga. That's what I want. Yep. Uh, Yep. Yep. (laughs) And then, one that fortunately didn't influence me because I, I read it when I was, I guess, older and wiser uh, at like age 28, um, Stargirl by Jerry Spinelli. I was just going to bring up Stargirl. Yes. Oh, man. If I had read that in high school, I would have fallen in love with Stargirl. I mean, I still did feel a little wistful at the end of that book. I thought that, uh, I don't know, Stargirl was just great. She was a, a free spirit. Maybe you can yeah. explain it better. Yeah, than I can. so that one I read around the same time, like I was in middle school. <clears throat> so I'm surprised you didn't read it until you were older, because I'm surprised I didn't like force you to read it. But, right. Um, Star Girl was just this like, so it was another one like from a boy's perspective about a girl, which I think I liked those because I was like, oh, this is decoding the male mind for me. Uh, and same thing, like like um, you know, close proximity, you know, trying to navigate this whole thing. Like that's high school, right? Like you're just smashed together and like trying to figure out what you think so stargirl was like exceedingly eccentric uh like carried a mouse in her pocket and like every time she sat down in class she put a tablecloth and like a flower in a vase (laughs) and she had a happy wagon like anytime anything made her happy she put a pebble in this little wagon in her room oh yeah, yeah and um she was just like exceptionally kind and free spirited um, and he was, I think Leo, he was madly in love with her, but like, didn't know how to process it because she was so different. It was like, how can I possibly associate with her and maintain my social life or something like that? Yeah. So, um, I would say she fell into the category of, I guess this is a character type, the manic, pi- the manic pixie dream girl yes yeah that's the exact phrase for it yeah uh so that's what i always wanted to be i always wanted to be the manic pixie girl (laughs) i wanted to be star girl uh because i had no chance of being Ginny, the professional uh tennis player from the whistling toilet so i was like i'm aiming for star girl and i i tried to be exceptionally quirky and eccentric because i thought i you know i don't have a lot to go on i'm kind of awkward so i need to just go in the extreme direction of making my <laughs> quirkiness appealing. So that is pretty much how I lived, hoping it would work out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> what are you going to do? Wisdom doesn't come till later. <laughs> <laughs> so um. middle school, I guess that's the theme right now. The carnation ritual. Yes. Oh, my god. Okay. Oh my god. So Valentine's Day, and you know, speaking of how um, you feel like you're behind and you feel like you're abnormal if you don't, if you're not dating in middle school and high school. I remember in ninth grade, uh, sitting in homeroom and a girl came, knocked on the door, came into the room and she was delivering roses or carnations or something. And it was you know, you could pay a dollar or whatever and have it delivered to, like, your sweetheart, I guess. And so I wasn't expecting one when she walked in. I didn't really look up from what I was doing. But she said, I have a flower for Chris Duff. And my heart started going like 300 beats a minute. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. I have 
a secret admirer. No. Um, I now have a girlfriend. And then, so I, I, I was like trembling when I went and Aww. collected my flower. <laughs> and I looked at the tag and it said, from Miss Remsen, our very scary string teacher. She's who- the reason I quit playing string <laughs> instruments. <laughs> yeah. A kind lady, but you know, it was like 50% kindness and 50% yelling at you. So uh, either way, though, even if it had been a 100% nice teacher, uh, it would have been a grave disappointment to to receive that instead of from my own Topanga. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that that was just crushing. Um, I had a similar crushing experience. So you and I are four years apart. So this, this ritual went on for a long time at Veronica E. Connor Middle School. And for me, it was technically high school. It was not. Oh, they did it in high school. They didn't do it in high school by the time I was there. Um, so, uh, I went out on a limb and sent somebody a carnation. Oh no. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought it was like hook, line and sinker. Like clearly this is going to go the way that I'm predicting because I wasn't going for like the most, uh, the winningest, most popular boy that I had no relationship with and admired from afar. It was like a friend that I had some feelings for. And I thought, nobody else, like, I'm around this guy all the time. Nobody else is interested in him. No one's right. ever said anything. No one's like, oh, this is the guy that, like, 16 girls are like, oh, my gosh. I thought, I'm pretty much the only person, like, in interested. So... <laughs> Probably it's the same vice versa. Like, you know, why not? And I sent him a carnation. I didn't say anything explicitly romantic with it, but like, okay, you're sending it on Valentine's Day. So that was like, it was my first like romantic risk at age 12. <laughs> and I, I don't even know how I mustered the courage to do that. Now that I think back, I'm like, what? I don't. I wouldn't even do that like now. (laughs) Um, So then I get to homeroom and there's a carnation on every single desk. I had, some people had like eight. I had one. It was from my homeroom teacher, which was disappointing. But I thought, well, that doesn't mean anything. Like maybe he didn't want to take the risk and send me one. Yeah. But then one of my friends got one from him. And I was so devastated. I was like, what? What? And so I came home really brokenhearted, crestfallen. I went into my bedroom, which at the time, I, I the only lighting I had in there was Christmas lights because I liked that. It. it made me feel moody. Oh, yeah. And I turned on Star 102.5 <laughs> <laughs> and the Macy Gray song. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Technically, I think that's Destiny's Child. Is it? Oh. I think. Okay, well. But maybe Macy Gray I'm missing it. I don't know. Yeah. But that song came on and it just landed, you know. Oh, man. I was like, yes, like I ventured too far. I should not have taken the risk. <laughs> now I'm mortified. I didn't talk to that kid. Uh, for like six or seven years and we went to the same school. Like I just like abruptly stopped talking to him out of shame and didn't talk to him until I like graduated. Wow. And when I was serving him Shavetta's chicken in a fundraiser line, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm I, kind of over it by now, but not really. I wasn't even going to mention this, but this reminds me of um something I've told to almost no one. <laughs> Oh, this sounds In good. the entire world, I would say maybe f- three people know of this. <laughs> Am I one of them? You will be now. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not, it's not hilarious, but it's just a, an utterly mortifying memory now that I look back on it. So, I had a crush on this girl beginning in eighth grade, and it continued basically till the end of high school, but... Uh, it was a total just, like, admiring from afar someone who I felt was out of my league, and we weren't even in any of the same classes, so I just never had a chance to interact with her at all. Um, but, you know, after years of just, like, being sort of, like, obsessed with this person that I'd never gotten to speak to, I wrote, like, a letter to her, 
And like, it was, I guess sort of a, I don't know, it was like this weird note. And I slipped it into her locker. Mm-hmm. This was like in 11th grade. And it it was so cringy. I don't know what I said. It was like, oh, I, like, I think you're super pretty. Like, I'm wondering if you would think anything about me do you know who i am circle one yes or no (laughs) basically it was essentially that i was like i like you even though we don't really know each other like what do you think of me (laughs) and and, and like i provided her like my return address yeah like your lack of i think i i provided her our physical address in case she wanted to like write me back or and 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 a yahoo.com email address okay. I, was, I was really thorough with my contact like, info here's all the ways um, you can find me this is prior to social media like like i think i remember writing some like pen and ink emoticons in there too like a sideways smiley oh. face in there at one point i was like oh my gosh and then uh i remember tossing it in her locker like through one of those vents on a friday afternoon and then the whole weekend just like dying like what have i done how did we survive (laughs) i feel like just (laughs) wow like i next time i see a teenager i'm just gonna like hug them no really them a cookie like for real oh my Um, gosh yeah it it turns out she she never got back to me i don't blame her it was really cringy and like borderline creepy i mean you know it was it was whatever. It was innocent, but I wouldn't blame her for being like, okay, this is weird, and I'm not getting back to that guy. And probably laughing <laughs> with, like, her girlfriends, like, oh, guess who sent me this weird note? <laughs> like, get out of her yearbook, um, like, it was crap. I never, I think I literally never spoke to her ever. We were in one class in eighth grade. That's where I met her and, like, developed a crush on her. But then after that, we never spoke. And, um... She was in my gym class in 12th grade, so I was always, like, trying to impress her with my physical prowess, but we never spoke. Um, And then, you know, fortunately, high school ended, and I was like, oh, you know what? There's, like, four billion other women on the planet. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was bad, though. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So. Well, that brings me to how do you find the one? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Four billion people on the planet. Um. You found yours on the internet. On Match.com, yes. Yeah, okay. So online dating. You're obviously for it. Yeah, Um. you know what? It was a real slog. And you know, just now, I'm, t- I'm wondering, is Match.com still around? There's so the, many different ones. I feel like was Tinder, Tinder took everything over, yeah. When I typed in... No, it's still here. It looks like it's trapped in the like mid-2000s. It looks like a t- yep. very like 2005 website. Like but maybe it, just people that originally created profiles on it's it are like still there. It's like MySpace. I think if I type in MySpace right now, it is still there technically. Look at this. MySpace. Oh my goodness. It still exists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so does Match.com. Uh, yeah, I started on Yahoo Personals back in the day. Again, well, I was like... 19 like why even then was a little early Uh, i mean you can date at 19 but i was like no i'm finding my wife now at 19 i think that's somewhat influenced like our parents met when they were 17 to 18 years old like freshman year of college like i think they were both 17 so i think that was another factor that was like we're behind in life like we gotta find somebody yeah true i mean that was generational though i mean people were married and had a house and kids by 22 um, but yeah, I, I went on a pretty decent number of online dates, um, throughout my late teens, well, 19 and early twenties. And most of them were pretty disastrous. Some of them were amusingly so, and others just like, oh, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> like, this is horrible. Uh, I mean, sometimes it was okay, but yes, I did meet, uh, the wonderful Kimberly on Match.com, and for the record, she was the one who reached out to me. Oh, I uh, didn't know that. She started it, yes. I would not have guessed that. Which, um, actually leads me to a good point. I have, um, since I snagged a great woman online, I think I, um, can attest that I have a, I wrote a winning uh, match profile. That's what I'm wondering. What do you think were the elements that uh, 
we're winning. Well, win I, some I think I kept it to a decent length, neither too long nor too short. You don't want to see narcissistic. Um, right. And it was, um, it was funny. It gave enough personal details without going into too much detail. Leave a little intrigue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I say that I have a, uh, that I wrote a a good profile, like, yeah, I, I have a successful marriage now. That is a, I can back that up. I dug out from my hard drive a dating profile that maybe isn't the best one. It's one that I can't claim credit for finding. A friend sent this to me. This is dated June of 2008 when they found it. And it is mind-blowing what this person wrote. It was a a female. It must have been around my age at the time, probably 23, 24. And I'm just going to read it in its original form without comment uh, unless... I just bust up laughing in the middle of it. It's long. And this is maybe what not to write on a dating profile. I know you've had some... Although we don't know. This person could be happily married by Yes. You know what? You're absolutely right. I don't know what the results were of this. And as we'll see as we read through it, she did get quite a few replies and a great amount of interest. Um, So, I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. It starts off... I feel with great intensity and have never been capable of experiencing anything in moderation. I am deeply passionate and committed to everything I am engaged in. I will become consumed by my own ideas and imagination (laughs) for endless hours, interrupted by few, as few are able to stimulate me in the ways I am capable of stimulating myself. Yikes. Uh, That's what she said. (laughs) The... The drive to perform, create, achieve, and discover fuels my life, and my tank is always overflowing. I am highly critical of those... I am highly critical of my close companions and share myself and my time with a select few. Impress me, entertain me, surprise me, challenge me. I am obsessively aware of my surroundings and all that exists within them. I will consider every detail and leave nothing unexamined. I am not always right, but at least aim to understand where I went wrong and then to correct my imperfections. I am caught within my own web of self-perfection. <laughs> I am always fighting myself and my expectations with victory, the only option. I will listen to you intently and expect the same in return. I understand much that is overlooked, and have overlooked much that others understand. I desire to fill the gaps of this disparity, and am unspeakably disappointed by the reality of this impossibility. I have a bottomless bank of stories, and take pleasure in an engaged audience. I have experienced much beyond my age, and will continue to explore and advance. I am uplifted, inspired, and set apart by an intensity and insight that I am committed to. (laughs) I am often driven to near madness by a clarity of perception that is relentless. I can see through your deception because I have, am skillful at at deciphering much of human interaction slash communication. I am an artful (laughs) and involved conversationalist and will indulge anyone who can reciprocate. I battle often and deeply with demons of my past that have a firm but hopefully loosening grip on my ability and willingness (laughs) to make and sustain intimate human contact. My moods are both marvelous and maddening. I am delightfully unpredictable. (laughs) I will refuse to let you near my vulnerabilities until you have earned my trust. I will be painfully critical and suspicious until you make yourself into a loyal companion. You will be tested. In return... (laughs) Oh my gosh, where did I leave off? Um, You will be tested. (laughs) I've lost it in this completely unparagraphed block of text. Oh, wait. You will be tested. In return, I will enter into the challenge and prove myself as a worthy competitor. Please, do us both a favor. Only message me if you sincerely feel as if we could enjoy each other's company based on the substance of my description. I am not interested in receiving compliment-laden emails that detail me, detail for me all of the ways I impressed you. 
Initiate conversation with me that makes me desire to explore you in return. I do not want to waste my time, so please do not waste yours. Make an honest assessment of what could be commonalities between us, and pursue me only after reflecting on my words and your potential to match them, in action and interaction. <laughs> in response to the overwhelming number of emails that have flooded this inbox, please follow the following suggestions. 1. I value intellectualism, <laughs> intellectualism very much. I do not value, quote, one specific type of an individual, of an intellectual, unquote. By this I mean I do not care if you are a doctor, an engineer, a professor, a carpenter, an artist, a musician, a traveling salesman, etc., as long as you are intellectually inclined in one of many ways. There is a, a great amount of diversity within this category, but there is still a framework that is inflexible. A. I appreciate attention to email form and content. Please Whoa. think before you construct your words and pay attention to the feelings that you wish to evoke in your reader. There are many ways that one can go wrong in this area, but just as many ways that one can succeed. B. I do not care to be called cutie, sweetie, or any other nicknames that should be reserved for friends or intimate partners. C. Please do not tell me that we are made for each other, or that you are my man, or that I am your woman. Besides being a huge turnoff, you have no foundation to make these remarks. D. As mentioned above, please limit your praise of me. <laughs> <laughs> I repeat this in order to give you a chance to make some headway. I want you to challenge me, not to bow to me. I want you to expand me, not inflate me. I want you to test my control, not submit all of yours. I will expect and value this at both the onset of interaction and throughout the course of our relationship. E. <laughs> I usually do not explicitly present this dilemma, but for the sake of avoiding pointless email exchanges, I will describe for you what is a vital element of my current and potential relationships. <laughs> oh. I want you to make me want you. You will, without exception, concede this quality if you want to become malleable to my demands and contingent upon my personality, emotional disposition. Do not assimilate into my personality. Do not become what I want you to be. I advise you, if you are to work your way into my life, you must maintain an independent sense of self that is resilient to my presence. My respect for and attention to you will collapse if you are unable to assert yourself and make me work for your affection. I like the game. I like to chase. I need it. It drives me. Stimulates me. Intellectual resilience and emotional fortitude are irreplaceable. The dilemma lies in what has evolved into an intrinsic and rather permanent feature of my personality, for both better and worse. I will test you. <laughs> F. I do not want casual slash ca sexual encounters. If you are looking for this, you will receive no gratification from me. G. She does not go through the entire alphabet, I promise. G. There is a difference between proving yourself while in my company, through words and actions, and inflating yourself on my behalf without the context of interaction or reciprocal communication. H. Do not write to tell me what you did not like about my description. I do not care. You need to reassess your motivations and what you hope to achieve with your remarks. You and your unproductive commentary strike me as a whole number of things, none of them attractive. That all being said, I am a person who delights considerably in the company of people of all varieties. For those of you who have emailed me, making various remarks on my written description and or appearance, or have offered me advice for dating, thank you if you were well-intentioned. I apologize for not responding to each of your emails. I simply do not have the time. If I do not respond the first time you email, I probably do not intend to respond at all. Do not take this personally. It's just, I have a good sense of what type of person I am looking for. I have received upwards of 60 emails in only three days. Thanks for the feedback, and best wishes with your dating aspirations. Smiley face. Which I think is emoticon. just the perfect, yes, yeah, smiley face emoticon at the end of all that. And then a little blurb. I think this was, this was on the, um, there was site plentyoffish.com, which had this feature where you were supposed to 
separate from your bio, write a little blurb about your ideal first date. So here's her idea. Identify a mutually agreeable environment that would create conditions for comfortable conversation. The setting is much less important than the company. Our surroundings are crucial insofar as they enable our ability to listen to and learn from each other. Wow. Okay, so I was trying to picture this person while you were talking, and I could not get around the first image that came up, which was um, an android. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, like, um, Sheldon's girlfriend from the Big Bang Theory or something. Mm -hmm. I, not to, yeah, I, I, like, clinically, there's a lot of really interesting things about this dating (laughs) profile. Like, hmm, several diagnoses come to mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I will test you. Uh, you yeah, will be in, tested. In like what I ways? would like to see how many times that was um, said in there. I there was this really intimidating psychologist uh, that worked for the company I used to work for, and if you were in a meeting with her, like she would literally call you out on like, "Oh, you said the word control seven times," and what? you'd be like, "Oh, stop <laughs> it! I thought we were just having a meeting." <laughs> um, but I. <laughs> Like, that's definitely a theme. I will test you. Yeah, um, I'm wondering. She's just, a tigress. It seems longing like to a, be tamed. <laughs> a harrowing experience to date her. I mean, first of all, just, just get your foot in the door and get a reply back. Like, at least if, if you're an aspiring author, you can count on at least getting the rejection slip. But in this yeah. case, getting the rejection from her is also a, a step up, like, compared to the mass of of desirous men who don't get any reply f- from her. They're like, oh, you got a rejection from the goddess? Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. wow. And then just imagine, it, it, it's it, the the requirements to go on a date. It's unbelievable. I mean, for my current job, I had to pass a background test, and I think there was a drug test, and have my fingerprints taken, Um I literally had to sign a McCarthy-era affidavit attesting that I am not now, nor have I ever been, a member of the Communist Party. That was a real thing. Wait, for which job? My current job as a teacher. I It was something left over in the district. They're like, sorry, we keep forgetting to go over this this, at the board meeting. This is literally from McCarthyism. You have to sign this that you're not a communist. (laughs) Um, Wow. And I feel like it was easier for me to get that position where I'm entrusted with children all day than it would be for a guy to like meet this woman for intellectually stimulating uh, conversation at Panera Bread. Mutually agreed upon. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, the tests, though. Wow. I mean, will be tested. she says, I will be painfully critical and suspicious until you make yourself into a loyal companion. You will be tested. Like, does she have um, decoys who will try um, try to woo you away from her to see if you'll cheat? Oh, um, I, I, you know, I think she'd be a good companion for this kid I went to elementary school with, who at one point, we were, this was, you know, pre-9-11, we were talking about the Twin Towers in third grade, mm-hmm. and the teacher said, they're exactly the same, that's why they're called the Twin Towers. Right. And he raised his hand, and he was like, well, they can't be exactly the same, everything's at least a few molecules different. <laughs> and the teacher's like, oh, I suppose you're right. And he's like... Yeah, I just strive to be exactly right. Yeah. So that's teaching kids I'm for you. I'm thinking I have some matchmaking to do. I think I, I can I think I know the kid you're talking about now that I now that you mm, say that. I I've remember, probably mentioned this before. <laughs> I seem to remember like some kind of real he egghead was, of a kid in your grade. He was exceptionally intelligent. Like he could be an ass engineer now, but come on. Yeah. So there's your wife. He will pass the tests. He will pass the tests. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean... I mean, remember to limit your praise of her, though. Like, I know. really tamp it down. It's... it's. I know it's going to be overflowing. It's going to be hard. You're going to be just, like, <laughs> effusive with your praise. But you really... Like, she wants to be tested. The chase 
stimulates and fuels her like she needs it. Mm. This is a woman you have to finesse like a sports car. Yep. Like, this isn't someone you just take to the bar, to the (laughs) honky-tonk, and throw back a couple of cold ones with a bowl of chili. Nope. You gotta, like... Come prepared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Prepared. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um... Driven to near madness by the clarity <laughs> that of my one perception. Just wow. I mean, yeah, driven I'm driven to near madness. I don't just imagine like you walk out your front door and you just immediately like clap your hands over your eyes. You're like, no, oh, it's see- close. I'm I'm almost mad. I, <laughs> I see it all so clearly. These people driving down the road in their rat race, like, striving to max out their social security in a futile existence. <laughs> I'm being driven mad by the clarity. <laughs> or I don't know if you've ever. I don't know if you've seen all the Twilight movies. I have though. It's uh, oh, not the Twilight Zone. The Twilight. Twilight, series, like the Bella ones. and Jacob. Yes. I've um, seen one with you at they, the drive-in. In Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2, Bella wakes up as a newly created vampire, uh-huh. and she goes outside to test her powers. Oh, goodness. And it's, um, she's just flashing through the forest super fast, like the speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi, just like trees whipping by on both sides. And she's got this huge smile on her face because she's a vampire now. And she gets this look of awe as she like is able to zoom in with her eyeballs on the tiniest details, like seeing the fuzz on a bumblebee's wings that are flapping in slow motion. And she sees like a butterfly and she's like, whoa, butterfly. Even though she's running 90 miles per hour, she can see the butterfly like 50 feet away. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's just the, the, the clarity in that moment must have driven her to near madness, but only her newfound strength as a vampire kept her sanity in check. Right. So that's the solution for uh, this lovely lady. Mm -hmm. She needs to become undead and just reach the next next level of existence uh, so that she has the... Her human frailty doesn't limit her mind. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, there's only so much you can bear uh, in these frames of dust. But if you've got an undead body... And superpowers, you're set, girlfriend. So I think she needs to go out to the Pacific Northwest, find that pack of uh, it's, vampires. Uh, it's called a uh, coven. A coven. A coven of vampires. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, wow. Well, I hope she is happily matched with somebody. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, if she is, I would. Uh, you know what? On the off chance you're listening, because I know this podcast is so popular, please contact us. We would love to have you as a guest and meet Anytime. your spouse. Yeah. Um, or your, I know spouse might not be the right term, like intellectual partner, because I I know you value intellectualism and the the interlocutor. <laughs> yes, your your paramour, if you will. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so that's probably my all-time favorite piece of found writing, even, maybe even above, uh, You Are a Beautiful Person. I, I, there's more meat to it. I yeah. mean, you can savor that one. That mm-hmm. one's good. There's just so much to dissect. I mean, we, we, we could spend an hour going over this. Um, other thoughts related to Valentine's Day. I guess the only thing I would, I would want to, um to get from you is your impressions of my husband when you first met him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I can remember the date I met him. Uh, it was at somebody's house yep. in Amherst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he was playing his guitar and yeah, you know what? Very first impressions, it didn't. I there wasn't much there. I was like, "Oh, it's a guy with a guitar at a gathering of Christians." Like, wow, what a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise! Like, uh, so, yeah, I. Hmm. After that, though, I was like, "Yeah, Michael Bonning." I mean, of course, you know we we still refer to your husband as Michael Bonning. Oh yeah, even though you're married a, a, to two him. years of referring to him that way. Yeah, um, just. Uh, 
chill, cool guy, a little intense, perhaps. Um, always had a spiritual uh, perspective on anything Literally you anything. mentioned. Yep. Um, I remember, like, ooh, the story he would bring up. Yeah, any story you could, any scenario you wanted to talk about, he would have some kind of miraculous um anecdote that went with it like that um story he used to keep in his wall <laughs> yeah right it was like a guy who like was getting attacked by <laughs> a leopard i think right? like Wasn't a it? tiger yeah. some kind of large cat and like was getting attacked and like heard the lord say like take its tongue out and so he <laughs> 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 reached inside of this tiger's mouth and ripped the tongue out and that ended the fight. I gotta ask him about that one. I yeah. don't know. I always um, just pictured that as like um, when you take the ticket at the deli counter, you just <laughs> that little paper thing like <laughs> got the tongue. There you go. Yeah, I would I think our first impressions of him were similar and then we shared we said like come home if we'd seen him and be like, I've got a Michael Bonning in <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, so he was mutually beloved the, by both of us. Yeah, I remember like time asking you dating. to like, please marry him. Oh yeah, you were like, I forget, something funny happened you were like, please marry Michael Bonning and you're welcome. Yeah, because, yeah, you, um, well no, you would come up there, so there was a long, this long period where it just seemed like you guys were waiting for all the prophecies to align perfectly Clearly, to yeah. confirm your destiny. Um, and meanwhile, like literally everyone in your entire lives was just like, would you at least start dating already? And one time you came home, like all kind of um, bamboozled and you were like, I just don't know what to do about Michael Bonding. What do you think I should do? And I was just like, can you please marry him? <laughs> <laughs> you were the first person I told when we got engaged. I oh, came okay. home. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I came home and you pulled in the driveway, like right behind me at like two in the morning or something. And I was like, Oh, Michael Bonney asked me to marry him. And you were like, yes! <laughs> um, so, I'll say, Kimberly, I uh, I was open-minded to an extent, but also hyper-protective of you. Uh-huh. And we were meeting at Ariba's uh, for dinner to meet Kim. Yes. And I was like, telling Michael on the way, I was like, I've never liked anyone that Chris has been romantically <laughs> interested in. This better be different, but this time, if I don't like her, I'm just gonna, like, be real honest about it immediately. Yeah. And then I remember, like, walking in, and within about two minutes, I was like, oh, I actually <laughs> really like her. Yes. And I was a little disappointed, because I was, like, geared for a fight. I'm like, oh, man. oh like, I'm gonna dismantle this. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, she's so sweet. Right. <laughs> like... I hate to say nice because that makes her seem one dimensional. Like she doesn't have any depth. But, like she's, she's genuinely nice. so nice. She like, is. I don't know many nicer people than Kim. She is like um, the gentlest person I know. Yeah, like so gracious and in the extent too. Like she's like so perfect that she, you don't even feel bad that you're not perfect around her. Like there's some people that are like perfect. And you're like, oh, I feel like a slob around yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But like. Kimberly is just like a gracious, gentle creature, and I was won over almost immediately. Good, good. Uh, so, good on us, I guess, for picking good ones. I'm yeah. always grateful for that. We like our other sister-in-law, too, Jessica. Uh, you know, our the, the Duff children have done well. Yes. We've all married up, I would say. Yep. All of us. For sure. Should we do present? <laughs> I think we should divide this into two episodes. This is going to be an hour long. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, any concluding thoughts on Valentine's Day romance uh, advice to give our listeners? You know <laughs> how to keep the romance alive. We were married uh, almost. We were married within ten months of each other. I think. So. Yeah, you got married in December of twelve, right? Yeah. And I was married in October of thirteen. Yep. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty close. Uh, mine was quick, of course. Kim and I started dating officially in February of 2013. We were engaged four months later and oh, wow. married four months after that. You had talked for a while, right? Like a couple before months. Before you met each other? Uh, yeah, we emailed a bit and then yeah. it went, uh, it was a squiggly road for a while because uh, at first... 
I, I think I think I'm a very acquired taste. And so it did take Kim a while to sort of like catch on. And then, well, then once she was hooked, she was hooked. Well, so, right. And, you yeah. know, um, maybe that's it. Maybe we're all acquired tastes. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, looking back. I feel I'm, like we married pretty similar people. Like, I feel like our our spouses have a lot in common with each other. Yeah, that's true. Like, they all like blue collar work ethic, like... I don't know, well-behaved, kind of, like, perfect people that don't make mistakes. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't regret uh, not having it work out with anyone else previously. Like, looking back, I'm like, oh "Oh my gosh. Like, thank God. Literally. (laughs) uh, Yep. Same here. Same here. yeah, so uh, if I were to give advice to a younger me or younger anyone, like, if you're 13 or 15 or 17... Like, under 21. <laughs> just, like, chill? Yeah. Um, you know what was the other thing with me? I The other thing was I I thought the stakes were always much too high. And that was why... Um, I refused to ask girls to dances, even though I really could have easily gotten dates. And I'm not saying like I was some kind of a hunk, but like there were, sure, there was a field of candidates. Like, like if I had wanted to take someone to prom or to homecoming, it would not have been a big deal or like some kind of Hail Mary pass to ask someone out. Like, yeah, there were girls I could have gone out with, but I thought in my brain, perhaps because of Boy Meets World, or because our parents married the first person they ever went out yep. with, that, yeah, if you're taking someone to prom or to homecoming, it's someone that you see you yourself marrying. Like, this path. is the first step. <laughs> like, you are now on the path, and you have to see yourself marrying this person. So I was like, well, you know, I know I could ask this person out to prom, but do I see myself marrying them? No. So I'm going to go by myself. <laughs> Like, oh, idiot. Like, you know, even with regular old dating, like when I was 19, okay, like maybe I wasn't mature enough for a real, truly committed relationship at that point. But you know what? If I had just tamped down my expectations, I could have just gone on some like fun dates. Yep. Um... And become a little more like socially well adjusted rather than making the. wanting to make this quantum leap from a single lonely teenager to married man <laughs> um, like in I one imagine go, you like, go from like wearing your like trek uniform to like a sweater vest in a study when you said that like teenager to married man yeah i'm wearing like my blue spandex of my cross-country uniform and then like now i'm a married man uh, <laughs> <laughs> portly with a beard um yes. yeah i i think You've got some some truth and like chill out, like just wait your turn. You don't need to find somebody when you're thirteen. Um also like it's okay to get to know people, um, not expecting to marry them. Um I yeah. I'm gonna agree with everything you just said. I I feel like this is opening another manifesto uh that could go on for a long time, but the book I Kissed Dating Goodbye, did you ever read that? Uh, I don't think it's I did. It's recently come into a huge amount of controversy. Uh, that was a highly influential book at the time when we were teenagers. Um, so I think that's where some of the high stakes stuff came in. Um, I actually, that book actually gave me the boldness to end a relationship that I had been knowing I needed to end for like two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm grateful for that uh, legacy of that book in my life because of that, because it gave me like the the push over the line of like, you know, this is going nowhere. You need to just cut this off. Um, but also a lot of pressure. So um, everybody chill out. Um, but hey, put some effort in. Maybe put a dating profile up. Maybe go to a backyard Bible study. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's you know. Where, that's where I met my husband. I actually met Michael in a minivan, but that's okay. another story. Yeah, and just, um, you know, if the clarity of perception becomes too much, you know, we might want to dull it with, you know, a, a beer or two. I, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> bath bombs. Put on some glasses with the wrong prescription. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Just uh, go in a sensory deprivation cave. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it for Valentine's Day on this fifth day of March, 2020. And um, until next time, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>